Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Saturday, July the 30th, 2022. It is currently 4.09 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas, where I'm attempting, I'm attempting to save something of this week's Bible study exercise. Right now, I feel like that I'm standing outside a burning building or a burning, my house is burning down. And I'm thinking, okay, I need to run in there and save something. I've got to go in there and save something. I know everything's on fire, but I've got to run in and grab one or two things and run back out and go, okay, look, look, look. I, I remember that famous book. Okay, I saved that book. Oh, remember that that photograph that meant so much to us? I, I saved that. Like, oh wait, the family pet. I saved the family pet. I feel like that the house is on fire, and I've got to run in and try to save something. But obviously, I can't save everything, and that is a pretty discouraging feeling. But that's the situation. All right. It is Saturday. That means technically tomorrow, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. Usually tomorrow, we always introduce the new week of Bible study on Sunday. So technically tomorrow, we're supposed to start a new day of Bible study. Sometimes we kind of start and end on Sunday for both. But the reality is this week has been an absolute disaster as far as the Bible study exercise is concerned, or at least that is my perception. That is my perception, because as many as many of you know, there may be some people tuning in who have, don't know anything about the Bible study exercise. I'll explain everything in a minute. But this week has been turned completely upside down because after doing everything that I could possibly do to prevent it from ever happening, it happened. I tested positive for COVID this week. And I can honestly say I've 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 have already I've done a couple of just brief episodes talking about this, but it I, I've never felt so bad in my entire life. So I mean, oh, <laughs> there were some hours during this ordeal that I thought that's it, it's over. I, I I'm not going. I'm not. This is. I'm not going to live to see a, a new week. I mean, I felt horrible. Oh like on the brink of death, it, it, it has been a horrible, horrible ordeal. And um, that's, you know, part of what happens when you get COVID and well, because of my medical situation, I'm, I'm not allowed to be vaccinated for anything. So I have no protection. And so, uh, wow, it's, uh, it, it's been a bad week. It's been a bad week. And I was hoping today to get good news. I was really hoping, okay, it's Saturday, all right. I feel, I don't feel back to a hundred percent yet. There's, it's still, it's still lingering. It's still, ugh. I, I, I wish I could describe it, but it just still doesn't, nothing feels normal yet. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my COVID test today. And then I'm going to find out that I'm now negative. And then I'll figure out something. I don't know how, I don't know what I can accomplish tomorrow at church, but I will, I'm going to do something for church tomorrow to try to, to try to get back to focus and doing the things that one, I love to do. And one, and, and second, I need to do, get back to 
standing in front of a pulpit and trying to teach as much as possible and hopefully spending a lot of hours tomorrow right here in front of this microphone doing, you know, live broadcast about whatever, you know, uh, theological issues, devotional, Bible study, news commentary, and just try to really get back into the swing of things. I was really hoping for that today would would be a sign that I'm on the brink of, of normalcy again, maybe, maybe, hopefully. Well, I took the test and guess what? I'm still positive. So, obviously it can't be a, you know, won't be a church tomorrow, won't be uh, won't any won't be an in-person uh, service tomorrow. I'm hoping that I'll feel decent enough tomorrow to be able to do some kind of teaching here in front of the microphone, but so far this week every t- every attempt to turn on the microphone and do something has really ended and and I mean, you can go listen to the finished products. Nothing of of <laughs> Of significance. Put it this way: there, whatever I attempted to do this week in front of this microphone, never ended with "Hey, that was really good." Hey, even though you were sick, you you know you made me think about. It. No, it was <laughs> it was met with resounding silence, which just is usually a good clue. Or or I would just get an email going. You know, you just you should just rest. Okay, that that's 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 a nice way of saying look. Stop embarrassing yourself. You're turning on the microphone and it's horrible. Don't just stop. So I I know that I have not done a a great job in what I have attempted to do this week. But um, so I'm worried about, you know, how I'm going to feel tomorrow because I need to do, you know, at a minimum on a Sunday, a minimum, I need to do three hours of live broadcasting. That's just a minimum. That's what I need to do tomorrow, right? I need to do at least three hours minimum. And if you look at, well, I didn't do anything Wednesday, didn't do anything last Sunday. So, I mean, I need I need seven hours of live broadcasting just to make up, just for that, for church time. That doesn't include all the other things we did not get to. So, I, I'm very frustrated with the, the situation, but there, it's out of my control. It's out of my control, so all I can do is the best I can. So I wanted to turn on the microphone this afternoon to say, all right, I, and I need you to tell me, what can I do to try to save this week's Bible study exercise? Now, if, you, if, you, if you're tuning in, you don't know what's going on. Bible study exercise, this is the podcast series where I do everything in my power to move you from a passive listener to an active participant. I want you actually studying the Bible for yourself. We have curriculum. I give you homework. I give you assignments. I do some teaching. And it's, it's, it's a, a very important, in fact, it is the most important podcast series that I'm, that I currently am doing. Uh, because we talk about so many things on this program. We talk about so many things on the Theology Central podcast. But trying to keep people engaged in meaningful, systematic, daily Bible study, that that is something that I have to continue to work on and have to continue to make it a goal and a and a just the purpose of this podcast is to keep people there because there are so many things happening in our culture and within the church that pulls people away from the scriptures, that sets their focus on something other. And so trying to get people into the Bible is very, very important. So that's what we've been trying to do, but this week has been completely messed up because of the COVID situation. But before COVID hit, before I received a positive uh, test and before the symptoms showed up in a big way, Apologize there. Had to cough. 
Uh, someone someone made a joke uh, earlier today that I need to wear a mask because they don't want to be infected when listening. Okay, I understand. I, I'm not wearing a mask currently, but okay, it's just me in an empty room. So, I, I, yeah. But still, I still have to cough every once in a while. Hopefully, I don't, all right? And again, no matter what I do when this is over, I'm, I know it's not going to be that good. And ah, oh, that's so frustrating. But I feel my voice is back almost back to normal. You, you can tell me what you think, but here we go. This week, the Bible study exercise was a Bible study exercise designed to try to figure out what is love? What is love? And really a challenge in how do we understand 1 Corinthians chapter 13? I've given you some very specific things to do. I, I Even this week with COVID, I, I, I went through the curriculum and asked some very important questions. So hopefully you, you have worked on some of those things. Hopefully you've considered some of those things. And hopefully some of those questions will prove to be beneficial in some way, shape, or form. But let's see what I can do right now to save some of this. All right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm just going to do, I'm just going to, I'm just going to bring up a lot of issues here and hopefully something, something. I can save something. I know, I know some of my thoughts may feel a little random. It may feel like, well, you know, why not, why don't you do it this way? I understand that. I'm just trying to grab as many things as I can to say, here, here you go. Here you go. Here's something you can get. I just don't, when you're dealing with a subject as important as what is love, okay, that's a pretty big subject, right? Especially consider how significant and important love is from a biblical perspective, right? Jesus summarizes the entire law. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, until you really know what love is, I mean, you can't say, you, you, you have no way of even making, making sense of that, right? Love God. Okay, yes, I love God. Well, wait a minute. Don't tell me you love God. First, define what love is. And then once love is defined, then you can say, do I love God? Love your neighbor as yourself. You have to define what love is. So trying to define what love is, is a very important concept, and especially considering usually within Christianity, and I talked about this briefly this week, usually within Christianity, we love to say something like this, love is not an emotion, love is an action, love is a verb, it's about what you do, it's not about what you say, it's not about what you feel, and everyone will sit in the you know pew going amen, and they'll put that in their notebook, and they may post it on social media, and everybody's like, ooh, that's so good, but then the my thinking is okay we say that but do we truly truly like i'm not not in theory but in actual reality do we really live our life as understanding love is not an emotion it's simply an action it's a commitment do do we truly truly believe that we say it but do we truly believe that because I believe that probably most of your expression of love, it's so much of love is connected to feelings and emotions. And no matter how much we try to separate that, 
there, that's just that's just a reality. That, that that's just a reality. So how do we reconcile the reality we experience versus the claim that hey, there's no emotions involved? That's something that I tried to get you thinking about and discussing this week. Not a lot of discussion coming my way, but hopefully maybe the discussion was still occurring. So I, I think that is important. Trying to figure out what love is, understanding that distinction, but. There is a bigger issue. Well, I can't say a bigger issue. There's another gigantic issue that I think we have to deal with, all right? If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we read these words. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I'm becoming as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. All right, now, when we talk about these things in 1 Corinthians 13, starting in the beginning of the chapter, I made some observations here early on, and there was there was a little back and forth on this, but still not to the level, I really thought it was going to spark a lot more conversation, but I still think there's plenty here to work on. Just try to hear me out here. 1 Corinthians 13 begins with wanting us to understand the significance or the importance of love. But I think in a roundabout way, it, it, it brings up some questions here that I don't think a lot of times is discussed. And let me explain, right? So 1 Corinthians 13 seems to imply to me, that the implication to me is that I could theoretically speak with the tongues of men and of angels, have a spiritual gift for communication. Now, you could, what some believe this is speaking directly about the gift of tongue, tongues mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm not going to deny wh- whether that, whether you have to be dogmatic about that or not. I'm not here to get in there. I'm just saying a supernatural ability to communicate spiritual truth, right? Even it, that it, you could have a supernatural ability to speak spiritual truth and not love. Or do we just understand this? Well, hypothetically, if it was possible, if it was possible that you could have that supernatural ability and not love, well, it would make your supernatural gift meaningless. So is it just a hypothetical like, hey, if it, even if it was possible for you to have this supernatural ability, this spiritual gift of communication and communicating the, the truths of God, Even if you had that, if you did not have love, it would be absolutely meaningless. It would just be noise. Is it, if it, is it just a hypothetical? Well, if it's just hypothetical, then does, I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Um, I, I guess to me, if it's just hypothetical, it, it loses any meaning to me. To me, to me, it, it only means something when I, when I consider the fact, hey, it's possible that I could have this great supernatural ability. And in reality, my supernatural ability doesn't really mean anything because I don't have love. Like if it's just hypothetical, I mean, if it's just hypothetical, if it's not possible, then it doesn't really mean anything. Like, uh, 
I, I, some, someone in chat is saying, I think it's hypothetical, like the most, ex, you know, ext, like an extreme example. But if it if it's not possible, does it really mean anything? Like, hey, I know this is impossible, but hypothetically speaking, hypothetically speaking, if you had supernatural ability to communicate spiritual truth and you didn't have love, it would mean nothing. Well, what what's the purpose of the hypothetical? Just to tell me love is important? I I feel like it has to mean more than, I feel like it has to be telling me, hey, it's possible, especially in the context of 1 Corinthians. Because the 1 Corinthians, there's, there's massive problems in the church. They're divided, there's, there, there's sin, there's division, they're, they're, they're taking each other to court, they're, they're people are getting drunk in the Lord's Supper, they're selfish, they're self-centered, they're arrogant, they're spiritually prideful, they're engaged in sin, they won't take care of sin, they don't seem to want to handle a rebuke, they've got serious problems, but hey, they're all very excited about their spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, it talks about their spiritual gifts. They seem to have these spiritual gifts, but they use these spiritual gifts for their own self-exaltation. They make the spiritual gifts about them. And then Paul seems to be coming along in 1 Corinthians 13 and go, whoa, whoa, guys, 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 guys. You can have all of those spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Doesn't mean anything. To me, it can't be just hypothetical because that seems to destroy the whole argument of the book. The whole argument of the book is, guys, y'all have got 9,000 problems. Y'all have got 9,000 problems. And then look at 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. I think 1 Corinthians 12, 31, the more excellent way is chapter 13. Instead of worried about spiritual gifts, Maybe you should focus on the fact that you don't love each other. So you can have all of these gifts, but if you don't have love, you're just making a bunch of noise. And all they were doing in the church of Corinth was making a bunch of noise. See, I think it has to be more than hypothetical. It has to be more than hypothetical. It has to be. Now, I don't like being so dogmatic on a week where I've had COVID and I'm not, maybe not have the most clarity of thought, but I'm just, it just makes no sense to me. Hey, here's this hypothetical situation that's not possible. Okay. So what does it mean? Well, it's just a hypothetical example. No, no, it's got to mean something. And in the context, hey guys, hey, the whole church of Corinth, you know what your problem is? Yeah, lack any meaningful example of love. You've got the gifts. You just don't have any love. You need a more excellent way. Instead of focusing on all these gifts, and because it's very interesting, and the curriculum, if you look at the curriculum, they point this very thing out. In fact, I'll look at it. The curriculum, I, one of the things I love, they, 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 I think is important. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to uh, read this, okay? I'm going to, because I think this is important. To fully grasp Paul's teaching on the nature of love, look at the verse right before uh, chapter 13 begins. Keep in mind, Paul was writing a letter that originally contained no chapters or verses. Inspired by God's spirit, he was connecting one point to the next. 
In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul wrote about the spiritual gifts and ministries God gave us for the sake of building up the church. He explained how the Holy Spirit gives us diverse gifts and that we need each other just like a body needs all its limbs and organs. Just as we don't have a physical body with mul- just as we don't have a physical body with multiple stomachs or noses, we don't all have the same gifts in the body of Christ. Then Paul directed believers towards what he called a more excellent way, 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Paul was about to point to something better than focusing on our spiritual gifts. It might seem like he was changing the subject, but instead, Paul was connecting his teaching on spiritual gifts with the need for love in all we do. And then note what he gives. Speaking in tongues, prophecy, knowledge and understanding, and faith. All of the and sacrifice, all of these things were essential, are, are part of the spiritual gifts that were mentioned in the early other parts of the book. You need love. To me, it's not a hypothetical, it's the reality is you can have a lot of these great spiritual gifts, abilities, these great spiritual displays. But you're absolutely, it's meaningless, it's nothingness if there isn't love. I don't think it's a hypothetical. I think it's not only possible, I think it's plausible. I think it's even beyond possible and plausible. I think it's the the normal struggle and the normal reality of the Christian life. That's... That's, I'm going to be, I'm going to be more dogmatic about it. I just, to me, the context, 1 Corinthians 12 is all about spiritual gifts. I mean, this church is a mess. If you look at everything in 1 Corinthians, this church is an absolute, complete mess. They, people are dying because they're partaking of the Lord's Supper the wrong way. People are getting sick and literally dying because they're partaking of the Lord's Supper the wrong way. They, they're, they're greedy when it comes to the Lord's Supper. People are getting drunk. I mean, it's just an absolute mess. They, um, they, they, they have every kind of issue you can think of. They're divided. I, I, think, I, think, that, I think this is not a hypothetical. I, I, just, I'm, I just have a... I, I, for those who think it's hypothetical, I, I, it just seems like a weird thing to do. Hey, guys, here's the thing about spiritual gifts. Now, just know, hypothetically, it's not really possible, but hypothetically, you could have these gifts um, and not have love, and you would it would be, mean nothing. It, it, if there's no reality to it, then typically when I you, you use a hypothetical example, you're using some kind of example to make a, a meaningful point. So what would be his point? I think the point is this church has spiritual gifts, but they are a total mess. And what makes them a total mess? A lack of love. That That is what I, I think is the way to look at it. That That's going to be my, you know, people can, everyone can disagree. That's perfectly okay. Um, that's what, that's, that's just going to be my challenge. That's just going to be my challenge. To, so, and so, but this raises some, some difficult questions. All right. So you can have a spiritual, a supernatural gift to speak uh, spiritual truth for first Corinthians 13, one, and yet end up being basically noise, a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. You can have a supernatural understanding being given a supernatural ability to understand spiritual truth. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries, 
and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. You can have knowledge, you can have faith. You can have the ability to communicate, you can have the ability to know, you can have the ability to believe. All these supernatural uh, spiritual gifts. Yet without love, you are nothing. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. You can literally be doing acts of sacrifice where you're giving yourself, you're, you're giving, you're selling everything you have to give, you know, to feed the poor. You can, give, you can give all your property to feed other people. Great works of sacrifice. But if you have love without love, it doesn't profit you at all. And, and if you, you can even give your body as a martyr. And still, it would be nothing without love. Now, that, 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 just, that to me is, is absolutely the powerful part of the chapter. Like it it can't just be being hypothetical destroys its power. The fact that this is saying, Hey, it's possible for these things to be, to be there and you not have love makes you immediately go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. Uh, Maybe I thought that I had love this, this calls into question. Do I really have love now? Still doesn't define what love is, but it immediately makes you begin to question that you could be doing a lot of the right things, doing the right things, saying the right words. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. So, okay. Now this, someone is saying they may have misunderstood me in the first place. Okay. I hope. Oh, see, now I get nervous. See, this is the ner- This is the nervous part <laughs> when you've spent a week with COVID and then all of a sudden you realize that maybe you've, I've, I've not been clear in my teaching. So let me try to be as clear. If we don't get anything else accomplished today, maybe we can clarify this, all right? So my point is, 1 Corinthians is a letter written to a church with 950 billion problems. Now that is hyperbole, okay? That is exaggeration, okay? I'm, I'm using hyperbole there. But lots of problems. And you can go through all of 1 Corinthians and you can outline all of the problems. You can probably just find a commentary of 1 Corinthians and they'll outline all of the spiritual problems addressed to the church of Corinth. They're spiritually immature, they're fleshly, they're carnal, they're ungodly, they're divided, they're fighting, they're, 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 fight, they're, they're divided over spiritual leadership, they're, they're getting drunk at the Lord's Supper, they're, they're, their spiritual gifts are being used for their own thing, they don't respect anyone's uh, spiritual uh, liberty or they're abusing liberty to hurt other people. I mean, we can go on all day long, just every problem you can imagine. I mean, one problem after another, after another, after another. And then 1 Corinthians 12, the last verse, is, hey, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. What's the more excellent way? Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to show you that excellent way by demonstrating something to you. All of these spiritual gifts that I've just mentioned in chapter 12, you may be in possession of all of them. But if you don't have love, it's absolutely meaningless. It's useless. We should immediately call everyone to go, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Okay, what, how, what am I looking at? to try to prove that I have love. Because immediately someone would say, I guarantee if you say, I don't think you love people. What are you talking about? I give 15% of my income to, to a homeless shelter. Or, or, or they would immediately always, we want to start pointing to something that we do. Now, this, this is interesting because we typically say, well, love is a verb. So then you should be able to point to your action to prove your love. 
This seems to call into question that you could actually have right action and still not have love. (laughs) Which puts us in a very awkward position. But I'm saying it it can't be just a hypothetical situation. It has to be a reality that it's possible, guys, that you can have all of these gifts and not have love. And And if it's just hypothetical... Hey, this really can't happen, but hypothetically, if it could, well, what difference does it make if it, if it's just a hypothetical example? No, I need it to be something that could actually happen. If that makes sense right now, hang on, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do something else here. We're going to, I'm just making sure that uh, I, I can see all comments. Okay. All right. So I, I don't know if I, I, I don't really know what else I can do to make that more clear. I just think that that's something we have to actually look at here. Now, go back to 1 Corinthians 13. Now, after giving us basically the significance, the importance of love, right? Okay. And, and giving us not only the importance of love, okay, they, someone thinks they get, uh, they, they get what I'm saying now. I, I don't know. I don't know how else I can say it. Um, I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of what else I could say here to make it more clear. I, I don't. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of what else I could do here. I'm trying to think of what else I could do here. Because, like I said, I feel like I'm trying to run into a burning building today to save something from this week, right? Because it's been a, I feel like the whole week has been basically a, you know, a a fire burning everything down. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to salvage what I can from this week of Bible study. Um, Okay. All right. Someone's saying keep going. I hope, I hope so. Yeah. But if anyone out there is confused, please let me know. Email me newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Whatever I got to do, I just, we have to finish this, but, but I just think the context and, and, and I'm glad the curriculum picks, picks this up is that Paul is like, Hey guys, y'all got the gifts, (laughs) but y'all got a problem here. You got a problem here. And I think that, but for me, the problem, the, these examples to show you, hey, love is what matters because you can have all of these other things, but if you don't have love, it means absolutely nothing, is that it's, it's giving a, a clear example of what's possible, that it's possible that in your Christian life and my Christian life, we can demonstrate lots of great spiritual gifts and spiritual abilities and do lots of quote-unquote great spiritual things but we can do those things without love. And I think it's been true in my life, been true in your life, been true in, in your church's life, been true in my church's life. I, I guarantee you it has been. All right. Now, but then after we look at all that, we come down to verse four. All right. Now, verse four is where we start getting kind of the definition of love. We start getting the definition of love. And the definition of love goes like this. All right, here we go. Charity suffereth long, is kind, envieth not, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. So immediately we get like a, 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 a beginning of a definition of what love is, okay? Or, or, and it suffers long, it is kind, it does not envy, 
It does not vaunt itself. It doesn't, it doesn't build its own stuff up. It doesn't exalt itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hope all things, endureth all things. Now, <laughs> there, there's some serious questions right here, okay? Now, first, even before even before we can take, we start taking these apart, and I do, and I do, in some ways, want to take these apart, and we will, we will a little bit, but in probably somewhat of a, a unique way. Before we start taking all of those apart, people love to write those down. People like to have them recite, recited at a wedding, or, or you know, who knows what. But we usually, almost in a more romantic way, we love, we love to use these words. Um, but the implication when they're when these words are read at a wedding, when these words, whenever these words are talked about, the implication always seems to be is that, hey, you can do this. You can do this. Like these two people are here to, to, you know, join themselves in holy matrimony, right? Everyone's like, amen. And then maybe they'll read these words and everybody, oh, how beautiful. And if you get someone who can read them in a very dramatic way or a very compassionate way, maybe with some soft music playing in the background, everybody's like, oh, that's beautiful. They, they love each other, but I, I'm on it. I mean, come on, come on. Think of, has anyone ever demonstrated these things? Ever in a relationship, and 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 forget. I'm not even talking in a church, in a marriage. I'm going to get someone's like, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, that if if that that's (laughs) if you think so, okay. I I think in every marriage. There is failure in these over and over and over and over again, is what I think. I, I, I think that there's constant failures in these. Suffers long, kind, envies not, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, um, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejo- rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth, beareth all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. There may be a little bit of that, but I guarantee you there is violate there is failure in those areas in every relationship. I think there is failure in 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 every one of those areas in parent to child, child to parent, husband to wife, wife, brother, sister, you you name the the, the family dynamic, there's failure always in these areas. Sorry, once again, had to cough. I, I just, I just, I don't think there's any way to get around that. There, there is, there's failure in these areas. I, 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 this is one of those, like, I can't, this is, this is one of those situations where it's frustrating because I, I am convinced of that, but I'm going to get someone to say, nope, 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 nope. It can be done. 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 I, I think I don't I, look, move it out, move, move it out of relationships, move it out of relationships, because we know that we're supposed to love whom we're supposed to love even our enemies. 
right? We're supposed to love we're supposed to love our neighbor this way. We're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to love our neighbors this way. Come on, you know that the, you don't pull this off in those situations. You know you don't. What I, what I think this is I I, mm, I I I'm so convinced here. Sorry about that. I'm so convinced here that that this whole chapter is putting us in a situation where we see how far we fall short of this. I don't think there's any other way around it. I, I know, I guess the question I could ask, I'm just trying to avoid asking the question because I know it always leads to controversy, but I just don't think anyone can fulfill come close to this chapter. I think everyone falls short of this chapter and thought, word, and deed. I think we fall short in what we do and what we leave undone. We fall short of this chapter. There's just no way around it. We fall short. And to say otherwise is just, I think, I just, I think it's self-deceit and, and delusion. We, we have to, we have to be delusional to think that we come close to this in any way, shape, or form. I know that's not the way it's supposed to be preached. It's supposed to be preached. Hey, guys, this is what you're supposed to do. You're not doing it. Now repent. And I, and I learned early on in my Christian life as being a, a preacher or a teacher that if I, if I would preach a sermon on 1 Corinthians 13, I could, especially in churches where that I was in that did altar calls, I could always get a number of people to come to the altar from a 1 Corinthians 13 sermon. Always, because everyone would would realize their guilt. Everyone, and they would come forward to you know repent and tell God they're sorry and they're going to do better. But I guarantee you, no matter how many times, and I always preached it like this is what we're supposed to do. And since God has loved us, and that God has poured His love into us, we can love others this way. We can do it. I, I definitely preached it that way early on. But I guarantee you, I never, no matter how much I preached it that way. I left the pulpit and did not come close to do, to fulfilling this. I don't think I've ever fulfilled this in any way, shape, or form. I don't think I have. I think Paul is saying, hey, and, and so then I know this raises questions. Well, wait a minute. So what do we do? I think Paul is trying to say this is what is required, but we can ne- we're never going to do it. We're never going to do it. I think that's the only way to make any sense of this chapter. I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And the more excellent way is a way that's going to, and you're going to say, well, how's it a more excellent way? Stay with me. It's a more excellent way because it shows us our lack of love. We, we have to be brought to the realization we don't love the way we're supposed to. So then what do we do? Well, we need a, well, we need a source of that kind of love. And well, who, who can love this way? Well, the only person who ever has is Jesus Christ. And someone found on the Blue Letter Bible app, they found this, which was very helpful. I wanted to work through all of these, but I won't, I won't be able to, to do so right now. But, I'll, but I'll, I'll just give you the scripture so that you can look some of these. Well, maybe we'll work on them later, but I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll just work on a couple of them. All right, here we go. Uh, this is from F.E. Marsh, his commentary called Love's Picture. He says, we have in 1 Corinthians 13 a picture of the character of the love of God as manifested in Christ. 
also showing what should be the character of our love to him. Right? Well, once again, it may show what our love should be to him, but I'm telling you, we never love him the way we should. We never have. We never will. We never love our neighbor the way we should. We don't love our enemies the way we should. We don't love anyone the way we should. But if Christ has demonstrated this kind of love, then at least in him, then his, then his love, his his fulfilling the law of love, if we want to say it that way, then is at least imputed to us. Still raises lots of questions. But, for example, uh, charity suffereth long, or love suffereth long. Effie Marsh, Marsh points, of course, to Jesus Christ, and he says, love suffereth long, Luke twenty two forty four. 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 Speaking of Jesus Christ, Luke twenty two forty four. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his Wet was as if it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. As Jesus praying, he's in great agony. He suffered long. That he uses it this way to point to Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ, in a sense, suffereth long. Now, typically the word is is translated in some translations as patience. So is that the same thing? Well, if you look up the Greek word that's actually used here, we kind of get an idea of maybe how this could work. It's this Greek word. Okay, it's this Greek word. I got to close out a speaker really quick. Okay, here we go. It's this Greek word. Strong's G, 3114. Makrath umeo. Makrath umeo. is used 10 times. Makrath umeo is used 10 times. Three times it's translated be patient. One time, two times have patience. One time have long patience. One time bear long. One time suffer long. A one time long suffering. One time patiently endure. Makroth um, umeo, the Strong's definition is to be long spirited, forbearing, patient, bear, suffer long, be long suffering, have long patience, be patient, patiently endure. The outline of biblical usage for a makrath umeo is to be of a long spirit, not to lose heart, to preserve patiently and bravely enduring misfortunes and troubles, to be patient in bearing the offense and injuries of others, to be mild and slow in avenging, to be long-suffering, slow to anger, slow to punish. All right, well, this would be clearly, if you look to your life, I, I, could, I could preach it this way. On one hand, I could preach it this way. Hey, your, the more excellent way is for you to love. Now, do you suffer long? Do you, are, are, do you have a long spirit and you do not lose heart? In other words, when no matter how people may be treating you, you continue to love and you continue to love them and you do not lose heart. Do you preserve patiently and bravely when enduring misfortune and troubles? 
When, when you're facing misfortune because of what someone is doing to you, you're facing trouble because someone what's doing to you, you preserve patiently in it and through it. Do you, are you patient in bearing the offense and injuries of others? Are you slow in anger, slow in avenging? Are you slow to punish? Now, any normal human being is going to be like, well, 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 well. But here's Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, who is without sin, suffering, being punished, being bruised for my iniquity. While I was yet a sinner, he was dying for me. He was suffering and he was innocent, yet he endured it. He suffered long. So Jesus Christ fulfills that. Now, that's the more excellent way. Now, on one hand, I the only way I can meet the requirements of God's, of, of God's law. Remember, the law is summarized to love. I'm never going to love God th- this way. I'm never going to love anyone this way. But in Christ, I do love God this way. In Christ, I do love others this way. So in my, in my position, I stand in the imputed righteousness of Christ, and I do love the way I'm supposed to. All right. Now, but I but at the same time, I have to see my failure to do this in any practical, meaningful way and realize that this is the most excellent way and realize how much of my religious life is made up of many cases, nothing more than religious actions missing any true reality of love. And that makes those real religious actions meaningless in one way because they're lacking life. And we have to constantly try to make sure that we're moving in the direction of love, but we're never going to do so perfectly. But Christ fulfills this because, well, guess what? He suffered long. So there's the, there's the first one. His, his suffering love, love suffereth long, Luke twenty two forty four. His compassionate love, that's how they refer to it. Love is kind. Go back to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. We're not going to make it through all of these, but that's okay. Suffereth long and is kind. Now, they, or when I say they, he, F.E. Marsh, wants us to look at Luke 10, 33. 10, 33. Luke 10, 33. Now, this one is a weird one to use here. Okay, I don't know if this one really works. He, Jesus tells a parable, and the parable is that a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came uh, where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. This is Jesus telling a parable. It, this is not an example of Jesus demonstrating that kind of love. So um, that, yeah, I don't know why they would go that direction. Um, hang on, let's do something. I'm going to look at something. Um, I'm going to pull up the Blue Letter Bible app because I think I got an idea. I don't know if this will work. Hang on. Hang on. Okay. I just searched the New Testament. Okay. Okay. 
Matthew 9.36 would work better for here because it speaks directly of Jesus. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as a sheep having no shepherd. Uh, Matthew 14.14, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them. If you're going to say this is a compassionate love, well, then I would go to a verse where it actually speaks of Jesus having that kind of emotion. But see, that would be an emotion, right? See, then we can get into a whole discussion here. Let's see what the actual word here in 1 Corinthians 13 is. Um, the actual uh, Greek word here, 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, the King James translates it kind, kind. So let's do this. I'm going to uh, go back here. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Open up the interlinear. Kind. It's this Greek word. It's this Greek word. Strong's G, 5541. Christ, who am I? Christ, who am I? Har- harassed. <laughs> who am I? Okay. I, I, that, that one, that, if you look, if you saw the actual word, you would, you would not come up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, arrest, arrest, who am I? Arrest, who am I? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to it one more time. Strong's G fifty five forty one. Christ, who am I? Christ, who am I? Christ, who am I? Yeah, yeah. If I, if I look at the word, I, I, I can, I will never say that word correctly. Looking at it, harass, harassed, who, who am I? But there we go. It is used one time. Be kind. So, so that's not super helpful. Um, it's Strong's definition is show oneself useful, act benevolently, uh, be kind, right? act benevolently. That makes a little bit more sense. To show oneself mild, to be kind, use kindness. So it's the idea, 1 Corinthians 13 here, the, the concept here is um, love suffers long and is kind. It it. It acts in a kind way. It, it shows kindness or it shows compassion. Like it, it, it acts, it, it seems to be going with the idea of using kindness or acting in a benevolent kind way. It's, it's, it's looking at someone else and saying, what can I do, do to show kindness to them? Jesus saw the multitudes that they, that they were sick or whatever. He had compassion on them and then he moved to heal or to help and to do those kinds of things. That, that seems to be the direction that is going. But Christ did that. Because are you always kind? Are you, do you always show kindness? Do you always act in a benevolent way and help others? Or do you constantly think of yourself? We fall short of this. Christ did not. Now, we'll have to stop there. Now, I know it's very dangerous to have to stop there when it's Saturday, but all I can do, I can, well, what I can just challenge you to do is go through the rest of those. And I, this was a, an early assignment anyway. Show how Christ fulfills the rest of that, those definitions. Find other verses that show Christ fulfilling those. 
Because I think ultimately we have to see the only one, the only person who's ever fulfilled 1 Corinthians 13 is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who ever has, who ever will. And it, and when we read the law that I am to love God and love my neighbor as myself, it's one thing to say that. It's another thing when we really see what love is to realize I've never done that and I'm falling short. But in Christ, his fulfilling love is imputed to me. So in my position, I have loved but in my practice, I fall short. Now, when we fall short, we don't just go, well, I can't do it. Don't worry about it. No, it just demonstrates how dangerous of situation we can be in spiritually. Where we can act spiritually, talk spiritually, do spiritual things, but not actually have love for anyone other than ourselves. And the more excellent way is for us to pursue love. There we go. I'm going to check uh, Spreaker one one time here to make sure everything is good to go. I didn't miss anything. All right. Excellent ways for us okay, to pursue. Okay, that's, that's me talking. All right. All right. Nobody said anything else, so I don't know if, if, if I was able to make myself clear. Okay, someone said thank you. Okay, I don't. If that that's maybe that may be just being nice, saying hey, you you clearly are not back to a hundred percent. You clearly don't know what you're talking about. Clearly, you're delusional, um, and clearly you've confused us all. But we appreciate your effort. <laughs> right? Is that is that like after someone does an audition? Well, thank you very much. Uh, you know, we'll let you know, and you just say thank you, even though you know you're never calling that person back because they failed the audition. Okay. okay, okay. Someone said it makes sense. All right, I hope so. I hope so. I'm sorry that I had to mute and cough uh, multiple times, but I, I do feel like my voice is back to normal. I do. I think I'll have to go back and listen. I think it's back to normal, but man, whoo. Almost a shortness of breath by the time I'm done. So that, ah, oh, you don't understand how frustrating this is because I just, I don't, oh, mm, so not happy with this, but that's okay. This is the best I can do. So I would challenge you. I would, I would, I guess I'll end with this. I believe 1 Corinthians 13 has to be understood in the context of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is a letter written to a church that has 9 million problems. Again, hyperbole, but lots of problems. Paul wants to show them an excellent, more excellent way. And that excellent way is they are lacking love. And it doesn't matter how many gifts they have. They can have all those gifts, which they do have those gifts. And they obviously are lacking love because you can read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And then you can go to 14, 15, and you'll see that, that it continues. The 13 is just kind of like, hey, here's the more, here's the excellent way. This is your problem. This is what you're missing. This is what we're all missing. In all of our spiritual lives, we are missing that. And I think that that's what he's trying to demonstrate. So on one hand, I listen, we, I, I am convinced that we never will ever, ever, ever. I do not believe like most Christians teach that because we have been saved, we now have the supernatural ability to love people the way we're supposed to. Because if we did, then Christianity would be, I mean, it would be easy to prove. Everyone in the world would look at Christianity and go, those are the only people who know how to love. Nobody else, nobody else knows how to love. Only Christians know how to love. You don't hear the world saying that. 
You know, the world never says that. They don't see us as being the only people who know how to love. They don't think we even know. They usually condemn us for our lack of love. Right? So clearly we don't have some supernatural ability to do it, even though Christians claim it. I don't know why we claim an ability that we never demonstrate, but okay, Christians love to do that. So I think here's the situation. First Corinthians lays out the more excellent way warning us and demonstrating to us the ability for us to do lots of spiritual things but be absent with love which makes us nothing more than makes us nothing makes us nothing more than noise makes us spiritually useless no matter all the spiritual things that we may do and have then it gives us the definition of what love is and immediately we begin to see I fall short of that I know look I think anyone who says they don't uh, you need to you need to just forget writing a book we just need to see a documentary film that records about, I don't know, a month of your life without any edits or censors because I want to see how you can pull that off that you actually love. And I need to just hang out a day with you and see if I can really see that you love even, well, your enemy because I would be your enemy for a day and see if you if I receive love from you or something else. Because usually it doesn't take very long to prove to someone that they don't love the way they're supposed to because we all fall short. So... Christ fulfills everything in 1 Corinthians 13. Christ fulfills it all. So that's, I really want you to prove that more than anything this week. I just want you to just find scripture after scripture that shows Christ fulfilled these things called love. That, that are how love is defined in 1 Corinthians 13. Pro- prove that. I, I mean, I know the week is pretty much over, but prove that. If, if, you, if you don't get anything else, prove that because you can say, okay, God calls me to love, to love God, to love neighbor, to love enemy, and I fall short. Christ did not fall short. So in him, I do love perfectly. Great. Now, that's true of my position. What do I always say about the Christian life? The Christian life is the never-ending, impossible task of living out in practice what is true positionally. Positionally, you love perfectly. In practice, you do not. So we then have to consider and grow and try to understand and and become more loving every day so that we do pursue the more excellent way. And that's where churches that... I I think I can say this biblically. No church should ever promote spiritual gifts above love because love is the more excellent way. And if you're in a church that seems to be promoting spiritual gifts more than love, or you've got a lot of people running around in the church all excited about their supposed spiritual gift, but they don't show any love, they, they are not pursuing the more excellent way. They're now been distracted People love to figure out their spiritual gifts. Oh, man, they love that because typically the spiritual gifts becomes about them. Spiritual gifts were never designed to be about you. They're always designed about what you can do for others. If I do, if I do possess any ability to teach, only you can determine that. If you, if you believe that the person sitting in front of this microphone today, if I possess any ability given to me by God to teach and explain scripture and theology, if you believe I have that, the minute I make that about me, 
I'm not pursuing the more excellent way because it's supposed to be about you. Because love should be the most important thing and love is not self-seeking. So I would be using the gift for your benefit, not my benefit. All right, I think there's, there's a line of reasoning there that we can pursue. All right. I apologize. I, I guess I made it 59 minutes. I feel like I did halfway okay, but please understand that any mistakes made, I don't, I, I, I bear full responsibility, but I did the best I could under the physical limitations that I'm currently still experiencing. But hopefully, I'm hoping that maybe by tomorrow, um, this is a sign that I'll be able to really get back into it and we can do so. Tomorrow, uh, the next week's Bible study is going to be about prayer. If we truly love people, then should we not pray for people? And maybe our lack of prayer demonstrates a lack of love or yeah, we're, we're going to, it's, it's still going to be focused on love, but it's going to be focused on love and praying. And we'll, we'll, we'll be talking about that more. All right. Thanks for listening. Email me newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. To everyone who has emailed me, if I did not email you back this week, I apologize, but to be honest, I did not feel like it. Okay. So I know I've got lots of emails, people, uh, and I and I just I'll I'll do about my best to get to everything um, as the new week unfolds. All right, but right now I'm going to go uh, lay down for a minute and try to recover from this. So, all right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.